It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van It's car con carne, episode 413, the 96th episode from home. It's life under quarantine, COVID-19. Quarantine Con Carne, sponsored tonight by C&H Financial Services. As business owners open back up to serve their communities, they're faced with a lot of challenges as they navigate through this new normal brought on by the coronavirus. C&H Financial Services is here to help. C&H offers a variety of products that range from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payments. To learn more, Contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. My guest tonight, he is the guitarist in Marilyn Manson's band. He scores films. He has a cool solo project called Devereaux. He's got Chicago roots. He's Paul Wiley. Hi. Hey, James. So, Terrifier, let's start there. One of the things I think we've all done while we've been stuck in quarantine is scroll through Netflix endlessly looking for the one, looking for the the movie that's going to change our lives, the movie that we might have missed. I think a lot of people are discovering or rediscovering Terrifier on Netflix during this time of COVID, which for or from my estimation, one of the best horror movies of the past five years, hands oh, down. And you, yeah. and you scored it. And yeah. I, lo- I lo- Top to bottom, everything about it, it it's this, if you haven't seen it, Watch it on Netflix. It's very much like an 80s throwback slasher movie with one of the greatest movie villains we've seen in a while, Art the Clown. Just sinister, creepy, diabolical, unnerving, unsettling. Seems like a perfect movie for you to score. Yeah, it was fun. I think it's, I love the campiness of it, you know? It's not meant to be taken too seriously. So, and my favorite genre has always been like, 81 to 85 slasher films, you know, um, those kind of synth sounds and everything. Yes. And I got along. Are, are you a John Carpenter guy? Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, anybody that scores movies pretty much, you know, the darker nature Fair. have to cite him, you know, up there. So are you, are you working on terrifier too? Yeah. Right now. Um, They've been sending me, the director, Damien, he's been sending me clips here and there. Um, they're in the editing phase, so right now it's like writing the themes um, for the characters, or for the one, for the heroine of the movie, and then updating the old theme. Um, this one's got a little bit of a um, different feel than the first one, but I think it's just as crazy, so I think I'm going to like the first one. Well, I, I know you can't say anything about it. I, I, don't, I don't want any yeah. I don't want to put you in a weird situation. Um, but yeah, I, Art is just such a great character. He is really one of the best scary clowns we've ever seen. Yeah, and the fact that he doesn't speak, I think also, you know, that he's a mime clown makes it even more <laughs> disturbing, you know. No, I'm having a lot of fun. It's a, it's a blast doing it, you know, this one. So as, if you have to shelter in place, why not do it in the way you're doing it? scoring a, a cool movie that people are going to be dying to see when it comes out. Yeah, it's cool because I do most of that work at night. Um, I, I, I would find myself would. sleeping in the day now, uh-huh. so I try to get like as creepy of a vibe as I can. 
you know, going and <clears throat> it's usually from like 10 to 6 a.m. and sleep in the day. So my schedule's reversed. Yeah. But everybody's is, so. Everyone's is upside down. So how do you approach scoring a movie? Do you do it on guitar? Do you do it on piano? Um, it depends on uh, scene to scene. I mean, usually it's, I write most of the themes on piano and then, you know, adapt it to other instruments, but it usually starts, you know, on a piano. But um, as far as murder scenes, those usually come from like granular synths are um, even just banging on things around my house, you know, and miking rooms and just, you know, um, trying to do unorthodox type sounds that nobody's heard and just, you know, it's, it's like taking guts out of a piano and just beating on the guts with mallets and stuff like that. Um, and then filtering them so much where you can't even tell it's an instrument anymore. So the murder scenes are always fun because, you know, it's some of them aren't even really musical as far as like tone, you know, it's more just grime. But um, this one's going to have some, actually, I just wrote like a more pretty piece, I guess you could say for considering the movie. So um, yeah, it's, this one's all over the place. So it's, it's fun, challenging and uh, yeah, everything. It seems like Damien trusts smooth. you, trusts you to just follow your Yeah. Way. Me and him have a great relationship. It's the third movie. I did, uh, I did another movie with him called Frankenstein vs. the Mummy. He did a remake of the Universal mm-hmm. one. So that's how we started. And then Terrifier, now Terrifier 2. But yeah, he's great to work with. Really easy. Um, he's really good at giving me, you know, decent amount of footage instead of like, he scored this 30 seconds, you know. And uh, usually... He can describe to me what he wants per scene really well, even though he doesn't speak in musical terms. Right. So that helps because I've worked with directors that don't really know how to communicate, you know, music. Um, they talk in colors. Uh, you know, I had one guy tell me once, he's like, I want the music to sound like feathers. So I, I kind of <laughs> understood what he meant. He meant real floaty and atmospheric, but like sometimes with Damien, I never have to guess at stuff because he's really good with that. So you mentioned kill scenes. I mean, that first movie, uh, there are a couple moments. The cat lady didn't do too well. Um, (laughs) Don had a bad go of things as well. But there were a couple scenes in the first movie where I just sat back and said, holy shit, oh my God, just wonderful, shocking things. Uh, Have you had any of those as you've been going through the footage and scoring? Have you had some of those like, I can't believe he went there. I can't believe he did that. Oh, he's going there. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's just as, uh, I guess, severe as the <laughs> first one. So if you, yeah, I mean, when I got the first one, I remember the, you know, the girl upside down scene, anybody that's seen the movie knows. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, man, are you sure this is going to get released? Like, you know, but, um, yeah, he definitely pushes the envelope and he's doing it again. So it's, it's, it's so over be the fun. top. Yeah. And that's what he wants. You know, I think he, he could play, he could probably do, you know, get a bigger distribution company and stuff if he tamed it down a little bit, but I think he's just, he wants to, you know, he wants to push it as far as he can go. So we'll see. Uh, Who do we have to talk to to get that uh, soundtrack on vinyl reissued? Cause that's completely gone. Oh, 
Yeah, that's true. They were supposed to do another run of that. You know, it was supposed to be a picture disc this time, with like splatter blood thing. Um, I think that will probably come out right before the release of this movie. Probably, uh, I'd say a month, month and a half. Um, yeah, we were talking negotiations about that and COVID happened. So um, it will definitely come out again, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I'd, you know, I, I don't know how many copies it was originally, but uh, I know it did well. Well, well, I don't even know if I have one. <laughs> I think maybe I don't even have I one. think you've earned one. Uh, while we're still talking about Terrifier and horror, uh, you said you're a horror fan, especially that, that 80s period. Since you're locked up at home when you have time away from scoring and actual work, what, what would you be watching? What are some of your favorite horror movies? Um, the Boys Next Door is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I, I don't know this. Movie. It's, uh, one, I think it's Charlie Sheen's first movie. It's him and Maxwell Caulfield, who played Danny Zuko in Grease 2. God, okay. And he also, he was the guy in Empire Records that played Rex Manning. That's it. But they're two kids from Hollywood, and they basically just go on a murder, murder spree for a weekend. And it's really weird, and the vibe is really weird. <laughs> and Penelope Spheris did it right after she did Suburb- Suburbia. So it's like her first bigger budget movie. So that is one. My favorite horror movie probably of all time, though, is Martyrs, the French one. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah, the That's... 2007 French one. It's a bit much. Yeah, that one made me feel weird for about a month after I saw it. But uh, <laughs> the American remake was terrible, but uh, the original was great. Uh, by the way, I pulled up The Boys Next Door. I, I know I've never seen it, but I recognize the, the movie poster image. Like, I know I've seen this movie. I just haven't seen the movie. Like I'm aware yeah, it's, of it. I mean, it's pretty, it's, I don't know if I, I don't know if you can really call it horror because it's more of a serial killer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really violent. Uh, Christopher McDonald, it's like the cop in it that's trying to catch him, you know, shooter McGavin. Oh yeah. Gilmore. So um, it's just really weird. And the, just the tone of it's very strange. Soundtrack is great. George Clinton. It's got, yeah, it's got an Iggy Pop song with James Williamson called I Got Nothing, which is one of my favorite Iggy Pop songs. And it's just basically they terrorize Hollywood for, you know, one night. And that's basically the whole span of the movie. It's so it, and it's just mental. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's one of my faves. Um, I recently revisited The Wraith, which is also Charlie Sheen. That didn't hold up as well as it did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But I like the real stupid ones too, like Pieces, Happy Birthday to Me, um, uh, let me see, Basket Case, you know. I, I like the ones that are made like shit, you know, that look really grainy and, you know, it looks, the ones that look like film students did them, you know. Well, and any you- ones that are shot in New York, you know, like on Broadway, like in the 80s too, those always look, those, those ones have a certain look to them. Where do you stand on Tourist Trap? Oh, that was a great one. Yeah, any anytime you take a chin away from a human being, you know, you can't anytime. you can't lose with that. You know, uh, can we talk about the traveling horror carnival that cannot tour right now? Let's talk about your work with Marilyn Manson. Yeah, unfortunately, this was uh, supposed to be a big year, but um, you know, like everybody else, we're at home. So hopefully next year. I mean, that's all I can you know really throw my throw my wishes to right now because you know i hear different things every day oh you'll definitely be touring that i mean i just heard no 2022 so 
know. And, and the um, truth is, no one knows. Everyone can predict. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this year's off the grid. I would say a majority of 2021 is off the grid, but maybe 2021. I, no one can say for sure. I mean, I don't know if my son is going to school next month. I mean, no one knows what any of the landscapes will look like. Yeah, it's and and that's what is terrible is the uncertainty of everything. You know, I mean, I don't even know. Is there going to be a Halloween this year? You know, our parents going to be you know, gung ho about sending their kids out trick or treating. And, you know, it's just, it, we're in a totally different, um, just a totally different landscape than anything we've ever seen before. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we were supposed to tour with Ozzy and then we were supposed to go out on our own. We have the new record coming out and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. I mean, we're all bummed, but trying to stay optimistic about it and just dive into other projects. So Are, are you on the new record? Um, yeah, I played on a couple songs on it. Um, That's awesome. I mean, it was a lot of shooter and Manson, but it's it's great. I mean, I think it's definitely uh, it's a new step in for him, and I think uh, I think anybody that <clears throat> I'd say it's like his David Bowie heroes or something. You know, it's it's got aspects of everything he's ever done. So I, I think his last couple albums have been really great. I think if people have checked out of Manson for a while, time to check back in because I think he's writing great songs. I I saw the last two passes through Chicago. Saw the Riv show in 2018, and then the uh, Zombie tour later that year. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I had a great yeah, the, <clears throat> those were fun tours too. I mean, uh, Zombie Camp are really cool, and I mean, those went off pretty much without a hitch. Everybody got along really good. I mean, the heat was terrible, but. Oh, it was intense. Really I re yeah, it was like July when uh, that show rolled through Chicago, and that was, I remember that being uncomfortable. Yeah, there was a couple <laughs> ones in Texas in a row where it was like 105, 110. Those were brutal. But um, that's my only complaint, though. Those two tours were phenomenal, a lot of fun. And it makes you miss it now, you know, because you can't see your friends, and you see a lot of friends when their tours are coming through or, you know, you get a night off and I'm like, Oh, let's go see those. You know, and that's just your world for, you know, six, yeah. nine months out of year. And it's stripped from you. I mean, I'm glad that I had, I was going to have to be, you know, scoring terrifier two on the road. So this did work out, you know, for me selfishly a little bit, you know, but I still rather be on tour right now. Yeah, of course. Of course. What Manson song made you a fan when you first heard him? I, you, you know what, my actual, the first time I ever saw him was at the Metro in Chicago in 94 with Monster Voodoo Machine. I don't oh, know yeah. how I remember that. Um, yeah, I was really into them because I wasn't a big fan of the grunge, the Seattle thing at all. I thought it was really boring and uncolorful. And when Manson came out, it was kind of like a new kiss to me, you know, mm -hmm. but more dangerous. So I was always a fan. And then you know, fast forward the chance to get to be in, you know, one of my, you know, actually favorite bands. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it was intense moment and it was like kind of surreal. Even the first few years, I was like, I can't believe I'm a man. So it's, you know, strange, but, um, yeah, uh, I was always a fan. I don't think there's anybody like him. I think he's a true icon. And I think, uh, biggest problem right now in music is we're gonna have a big problem replacing a lot of these people you know like your bowies and yeah you know and the you know the more they get up there in age the more they're gonna start disappearing that's just life but 
I don't see anybody really replacing them. I think the biggest problem right now with bands is, you know, I don't want to use them as an example, but like Imagine Dragons or somebody, you know, I could ask anybody that says they love that band. Well, who's the singer? Nobody knows. You know, I think it's a lot of faceless bands right now where it's just, and I think that's kind of the problem with rock music and why it's not living up to uh, the expectations of like hip hop acts and like, you know, has a lot of strong presence right now. It's because I think there's a lot of faceless bands. I agree. Unfortunately. I, I agree. There aren't, there aren't stars. Yeah, it's not even, yeah, I mean, stars is a good word, but even like, you know, somebody like Tool, you know who Maynard is, you know what I mean? And I mean, some of these, some of these bands are selling 2 million albums and I couldn't tell you a title of their song. I can't, you know, and it's not because I'm out of touch or anything, you know, I keep up on what's going on, but anybody, even people I claim, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, like, oh, I love uh, the 1975. And it's like, oh, what, what's, what's their best song? Well, I don't know. I just say, you know what I mean? It's just, I, I think somewhere along the line in like mid 2000s, I think everything kind of just got convoluted. And, and now everybody's just kind of trying to sound the same. It's, you know, but we have had a hundred years of, you know, over a hundred years of recorded popular music. So it's, it, you know, it, it tends to get hard to be original, but I just don't hear anything really stick. I liked Fiona Apple's new record a lot, but. Seems like everyone liked away. that. Yeah, it, this kind of speaks to another issue I, I believe is real, and that is there's no good curation anymore. You don't know where to find great stuff anymore. Everything is so decentralized where you get your information from, whether it's you know a recommendation engine on a streaming uh, service or a blog or a word of mouth. There's no consensus anywhere. It's just this long tail and no one, no one is in the same universe as other people it, it's really tough to know where to find good stuff and who those trusted curators are i still anything new that i you know tend to like i usually find out from friends still just like i did when i was you know 10 11 years old you know um it's usually you know it's usually friends from chicago hey man have you heard this check this out you know and then nine times out of ten i'm into it you know and i'll buy their vinyl if it's you know, I, I definitely support new bands if I like them. I just haven't come across too many. Um, and most of the ones I do are European. I think America's really uh, scarce for for exciting new bands right now. You know, I've, I don't know why that is. Pre-COVID, I mean, but. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. I mean, if, if the Lumineers were to walk into my home right now, I'd say, who are you? What are, what are you doing in my hey, house? Exactly. You know, it's, it's like, I don't know when that started happening. I think the also the big problem was like when people were putting 15 to 18 songs on a record and devaluing the song, you know, I think once that started happening too, I think that was kind of, and that was at the same time once streaming was coming into, you know, when Napster was coming into the thing. So I think combination of that, um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if many people right now want the guy on stage to get their girlfriend's attention, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a big problem, too. I mean, when I was young, you know, and I, I remember going and seeing, you know, um, well, you know, whoever, Motley Crue or whatever. I was, you know, with whoever my girl was at the time. They'd always be like, oh, look at Nikki Sixty so, you know, and that never bothered me. I was always like, I need to get to that level, you know. But now I think it's kind of like, I don't think they want, I think people want people that dress like them and 
they kind of want the guy next door. And, you know, I've never liked bands like that. I always liked the over the top. I grew up on the British glam stuff. So it was all about, you know, T-Rex and Bowie and even the Bay City Rollers and Cheap Trick being from Chicago and just bombast, you know. You want to go snotty. see a show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hate, that's why I really wasn't into the Seattle thing. I liked Mother Love Bone and I liked Nirvana. But besides that, I was kind of like, eh. You know, it just, it didn't do a lot for me. And it, most of them just seemed like they were rehashing Sabbath and wearing flannels. And I, I just, I don't know, I wasn't part of that ilk. I remember when that was going on, I was into all these weirdo bands like uh, Daisy Chainsaw. And I don't know if you remember them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of bands from Chicago too. You know, Catherine. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I was just talking uh, about that band. That's so funny. Yeah, just, I mean... You know, anybody that was kind of abstract, My Bloody Valentine, I was, you know, diving into all that. Thrill Kill Cult were huge on me. Still a huge fan of them. Um, yeah, so I kind of always went to the, the real colorful stuff, you know. Oh, and Thrill Kill Cult was just, I mean, it's the go-go from hell. I, the first song I listened to, I remember this vividly, when I turned 21 years old, was A Daisy Chain for Satan. From oh, the Kill first Cult. time I heard that song at Medusa's, it blew my mind. It is the greatest. You know, <laughs> I, was, I still listen just, to that. It doesn't sound like anything still. It, to me, it's like, what is this? I mean, back then, especially for me, I was really young. when I, I remember discovering them and uh, Jane's Addiction, Nothing Shocking, the same week. And that was basically kind of, those two albums are like the two albums that kind of got me out of metal. They just made everything I had listened to up until that point seem really stupid. And it was like, oh, it, it's weirdo music, but it's smart, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, discovered Velvet Underground. I was late to a lot of that stuff, but Thrill Kill in Chicago, I know a lot of people lean more towards ministry. And to me, Thrill Kill were like the best band on Wax Tracks. And like, they were always, I still think they're great and just interesting. Even their new stuff, I think. I just heard a new track of, or I guess their most recent one, like a couple of days ago, it was solid. Groovy and Buzz, they're a trip. So staying on Manson for uh, one more moment. Uh, yeah. Talking about the live show. I, I think on the, those last two tours, Mob Scene was the standout for me. Oh, that's okay. Gotta, that's got to be a fun song to play. That or maybe Disposable Teens, like digging into those songs. <clears throat> they're all fun just because they're all a romp. You know, they're all, they're all groove. So you don't have to think a lot about it being a guitar player. It's more just being captured in the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never, I never get sick of playing his songs. I mean, I've played Dope Show and Beautiful People now probably, you know, a thousand times, you know, but it's still fun to me. It never, it never gets old. I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, it must suck to be Kiss and have to play rock and roll all night. But, like, you know, I, I've never, that's never entered my mind. Pretty much any Manson song he wants to throw out, um, it's always fun for me to play i like a lot of the early stuff too that he started to bring back on the last couple tours like the first album because he you know he stopped doing a lot of those songs but every once in a while we throw one in for an encore or whatever you know because he likes to call out stuff sporadically he'll call out a song you know live that we haven't played in three years and i'll expect you to know it and you know most of the time we can get through it but um yeah, it's it's never boring. It's a great live thing. I think uh, when my days are over in that band, I'll probably be the last uh, live, you know, kind of touring thing I would do. 
because uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to top it. You know, <laughs> everything else would probably, you know, be lackluster because it is the craziness and just I've had a really great time six years in that band. So it's it, been all good. Is it insane? And if it's not, say it is anyway, because I want to believe that being part of Manson's band is insane. <laughs> um, even, yeah, I mean, when he's not, something else is, you know. <laughs> it's like whether it's the venue or you know psycho psycho um you know we get a lot of we still get protesters believe it or not um people who want to purify your soul yeah or or you'll get you know weather conditions that are crazy it's just like you know um yeah europe europe has been i mean we were there in uh paris when the paris attacks happened um we were supposed to play paris the next day and so then we diverted to Belgium because that was the next show we were going to play. And then when we got to Belgium, we found out the guy that did the terrorist attacks was like being harbored right near our hotel. So in that whole year, we had to have like security detail every time we played a show. And anytime you'd see a red laser pointer, you know, it, it, it playing Europe in 2017, that was pretty unnerving. I was, I I, I, yeah, it was, scary situation. I mean, it's still scary because I mean, you know, uh, anybody can jump on stage, you know, if they want to try hard enough, you know, somebody probably could get through at some point, you know, no matter how good your security is, if they, you know, I mean, and I always think of what happened to dime bag and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's scary. I didn't mean to divert into a negative. Uh, no, but this realm. is, this is something people don't think about. I mean, we, we go, we went to concerts as, you know, this was catharsis. It's release. It's this, you know, pure, expression of emotion we sharing in music and to have that other side of it kind of factor into the performer's minds it's what a fucking drag it's just yeah i'll tell you my my very first show ever with them was in moscow and we didn't play because we had bomb threats it was it was weird because i was so psyched i was like all right first show and it's like for thirty thousand people and our intro tape was getting ready to roll and all of a sudden military police were taking us off the stage oh we got bomb threats and then they moved like thirty thousand kids back like 500 yards and i saw military police and the fire department and dogs and like i'm just like wow this is you know this is like insane. out of a movie yeah and uh they kept telling us well you might play still we don't know we don't know and then we got back to the hotel and we had to they wanted us laying on the you know floors of the van so nobody could yeah. and and this is my very first you know and Manson, I mean, he had been through this for 25 years. So he's just like, oh, this doesn't bother you, does it? I'm like, well, I guess not. You know, it's like, <laughs> I guess I'm part of it. But yeah, that was, that was unnerving. And then the next day, Customs didn't want to let us through because it hit the air. This was also when Russia was fighting with Ukraine. So it's either you were on the side of God or you're anti-God. You know, there's kind of no in-between. So, you know, but for every person that was like throwing holy water at us and stuff, there was one of our fans like, hitting them so it was just it was chaos and that was my very first so we basically flew all the way to moscow came all the way home didn't play so that was my first uh show with manson but welcome aboard yeah so it's never boring all right so let's jump from manson to your solo project Devereaux. uh cool i i want to spend the end times with you nothing says happy quarantine like this this is uh this is a reflection of where we're at in the universe right now 
Yeah. Well, it was also because at the, when I actually wrote that kind of pre COVID, well, I wrote it because one of my friends, I'll remain nameless, but he was on tour in Europe when this lockdown started and his fiance didn't know if he was going to be able to get back into the country because at that part they had locked down. Yeah. And I thought about like, man, that would be really horrible if this really is, you know, Armageddon or whatever, you know, speculation. Um, and you couldn't be with your loved one, you know, because you're separated from, you know, country or whatever, or whatever separates you. So that was kind of the vibe of, uh, of the song. And then the other part of it was like, what if you're stuck with somebody for so long through this that you realize they're not the one you want to spend? You know what I mean? It's like, so it's just, I think everybody was kind of going crazy. I mean, I know a lot of people there, like this thing has brought their relationships, you know, closer. And I know a lot of people that are, you know, ready for a divorce right now. So it's like, I think it, it it's affected everybody differently. So that's kind of like the song is about how it would affect everybody in different and I think this, this whole thing affects people differently in like 10 minute increments. I mean, the way I feel now is different from the way I felt two hours ago and I'll feel differently in another two hours. I think moods and reactions change sporadically, erratically throughout the day, just because it's this unprecedented collective trauma we're in. I, I, it's hard to lock into one emotion or feeling. It just, I, I bounce all over the place during the day. Yeah, I've been I've been sporadic too. I'll wake up some days and feel like optimistic and go, you know what, everything's all right, you know. And then other days, it's like it, I'll tell you what, writing music right now is a weird thing because I mean, when I put that single out, I was you know optimistic about it, but I realized you're not really going to break the news cycle because even like the weekend, he put out his new album and it was like nobody and it was really good record and nobody really cared. Same with Fiona Apple. It's just like everybody all they're concerned with this coronavirus when can my kids go back to school? it seems yeah. like and almost seems pretentious to put out art right now i, I, I disagree I, with you know that. what i mean you disagree okay i, I disagree like, as a consumer as a fan i mean we need content we need we need distraction from this dystopia we're in right now and so i, mean, if, I think so too but like me putting something out i was kind of like is this like arrogant of me? Like, Oh, you know, the world's falling apart around me, but listen to my new song. It was like, it, it was kind of something I had to like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, yeah, that's the Midwestern. Myself. That's the Midwestern, Midwesterner in you, the self deprecating. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if there's a chance someone can relate to it or get something out of it, that's awesome. That, that's all you, know, you need to do. I, and it can be comforting. Like I said, I've been seeking, you know, movies and film and art and music out right now a lot, you know. Um, so I have a different outlook on it. I, I'm saying this is more like March when I put out the song. I was like, wow, am I like, and I didn't want to, and that, like I said, the song is actually written real soon. So it's like, I also didn't want people to think I was like, with the title and everything, I was like trying to capitalize on this, like, you know, um, virus by the title of the song or, you know, I was like, is this cringe or is it not? It's like, you know, you start questioning yourself a lot sure. more when you're by yourself all the time. Yeah. When you have you know, you, nothing but time to think. And you can't bounce ideas off other people because I mean, recording, recording is fun with other people. 
it's fun by yourself too, but it tends to get tedious when, you know, there's nobody there. Like, what do you think of this? You know, you're just, you're going you're strictly on what you think is good. And, you know, studio experience is always good. Even if it's one other person there, or yeah. even if it's somebody there, that's not musical that you can just bounce ideas off. Someone who can but, say, uh, what if you, and then lead the conversation that way. Instead exactly. Yeah. You like, yeah, spiraling into self doubt. Instead of everything's internal, and then you just start questioning everything. And I think everybody also is probably doing more drugs right now. So they're probably, you know, you throw that in the mix too, and then mm -hmm. you start overanalyzing everything. So I kind of stopped. That was me between March and May. Now I'm kind of just to the point where I'm like, you know, I have a lot of projects going on. I'm going to just start releasing them, you know, monthly and, uh, pretty soon here so or maybe even weekly i mean i have a lot of things i'm doing so but yeah at the beginning of it it was just like you know i i, I think it was really hard to break the news cycle even for somebody like the weekend or fiona apple and there's a lot of good records i think just people kind of missed they were out people talked about for a day and i was like oh what's going on with coronavirus you know mm -hmm. so and it's also it's weird to put out records and go, am I ever going to be able to play this stuff live or like, you know, um, there, I think all the musicians I've been talking to, they, they have a little bit of a feeling of like pointlessness right now. It's like, well, what am I putting out music for? You know, nobody can see it live. You can't really break the news cycle. And there's just a lot of re monetarily monetary reasons. You know, I don't know how much people are going to be spending money on art our music right now, it seems like we're in a necessity mode where it's like everybody's yeah. really thinking about. So you have all those factors come in. It's kind of affects uh, the land. But I do think right now, the people that are creating music aren't doing it for the money. That's one good thing. Because, and I think we're going to get some, you know, truly good music, good art out of it because I agree. people are just, the people that are really doing it right now are just doing it because they have to. I think all the other big musicians and the big bands and stuff are probably just laying by the pool or, you know, doing whatever, you know. But I think the people that are cramming 15 hours a day still recording are the people that, you know, really, they have, they have to do it because it's in them to do it. So, Don't you feel like this gives artists an opportunity to kind of dive into video more? Since they can't express themselves on stage, do more video work? <clears throat> yeah. Um, like that? I mean, I definitely have. I mean, I did that video for, I want to spend the time and times with you in my house just because I was like, all right, this, and we each, everybody in that video was in a different location. Uh, guitar player was in Chicago, drummer was in Vancouver, and um, uh, Chrissy Fox, who did the duet with me, she's in California, a different spot, but um, we all basically just shot our footage in our house, and we just tried to make it look like Andy Warhol like a, like I love a dark Andy Warhol so um but yeah we just uh I just recently went to um Palm Springs and shot some stuff and I'm working on some other stuff for uh so I have this other band Razor Candy with Chad from I don't know if you remember the Las Vegas mm -hmm. oh absolutely uh, yeah yeah me and him have a project so uh this will be our second video and that should come out in like two weeks I'm a big fan of sleaze rock which okay okay <laughs> i am too to probably more of the uh probably more of the british stuff fair like hanoi rocks and you know mm -hmm. uh dogs to more the drinking london choir boys uh, i like that band 
Uh, staying on, I want to spend the end times uh, just for one more second. You mentioned the duet. I, I do love the shared vocals. I love male and female vocals on a track. I, I love just the way that, that sounds. And the piano, uh, you have a nice insistent guitar sound on that. Just it, If people haven't heard, that's a cool track to just dig into right now. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I like working with, uh, I really like working with female vocalists just because you can expand, uh, you know, melodies a lot more broad than, you know, most men, unless it's Freddie Mercury or something, because they can hit notes, you know, that yeah. just are in men's range. And it's just, it evokes different kind of emotion too. And I've always really liked her voice and we get along great. She actually, her band is really good, um, Neon Fox. And they uh, they actually opened up for us in Manson. That's how I met her. Um, and she's a really great short film uh, director too. She actually did the video, so it looks great. Yeah, and she just submitted a couple of horror shorts that have been getting some good praise. So she she she's really good in the film. She's pretty much good at everything she does. So and she's really easy to work with. We actually did that video in like two days. So she came back with that edited version, like after we all gave her the footage the next day and we were all like, yeah, it's great. And just put it out. So it was really painless. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Chicago. How long ago did you leave Chicago for greener pastures? I left Chicago in uh, September, 2000. I moved to LA 2011, September. So Tell me about coming up in Chicago, playing in a band, going. Oh, going well, I remember. I remember your show on Q101. I used to listen to your show. I was in uh, shit. I was in a lot of bands in Chicago. I was in Ego Static, Jupiter Blue. Mm-hmm. I was in a band called Royal. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about Royal. Yeah, uh, Johnny K produced that, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we actually went on tour with disturbed in 2006 and nobody knew who we were because we kind of had the same management same mm-hmm. producer we were more like like a jane's addiction or something more a little more angular but mm-hmm. that was the first taste i had of like playing arenas you know um i basically left chicago just because of the weather i mean that was a big but the, the year i left was a year when lakeshore was closed down oh yeah and they were airlifting people when Daly came out and told everybody not to drive on it, and they did anyway. And they just left their, left their cars on Lakeshore Drive overnight because yeah. they were just stuck. And that it was, was surreal. you know, for three days, everything was shut, like, complete. And I was just like, you know what? I'm over this. And, and at that point, too, I think the clubs were starting to get uh, – there was no really commutative, like, scene at that point. It was kind of just sporadic, you know, because uh, – in the early 2000s, that was a great time for Chicago. I remember playing all the shows with Kill Hannah and like... Oh, yeah. You know, and it, it was just a really fun time. It was really celebratory. And then it just kind of seemed to get depressing for whatever reason. Maybe it was just me and my life, but I'm, I know a lot of other people have said the same thing. It just seemed like uh, the fun of it had just kind of, I don't know. It just, I mean, those Metro shows back then were fun. You know, and Double Door was fun. And then well, those just, metro shows were always—they always felt like events. They were—they just yeah. They, there was something thrilling about them. Yeah, we would bring. I mean, between us and Kelly, I remember we would bring you know glitter cannons and just anything we could do to make it as bombast as possible. You know, on a local level. And I think a lot of people looked 
you know, a lot, I mean, there were a lot of uh, the indie bands that hated us and just like thought we were fake or whatever because we did that and kind of like, you know, the, the more righteous bands. Oh, you don't need all that. All you need to do is get up there and play. And like we were, you know, always all the bands that I played with at that time, like, and that I was cool with and that I liked, we all kind of had the same vision of, you know, being as big as possible, you know, as far as theatrically and like just what you're looking at, you know. And then once it's, that it's, became it's basic, kind of frowned it's, upon, I was out. So it's basic marketing. I mean, it's just branding. It's like having an identity, something people can understand the second they see and hear you. And Kill Hannah figured that out super early. You guys did it. I totally yeah. did. And it's just more fun, you know. Uh, that was the whole reason, like, I always wanted to bring, you know, whatever. I mean, I remember trying to figure out how can we get pyro in the metro and not get, like, arrested. <laughs> you know, we, we would try to figure that out constantly. There's got to be a way we can do it with fire marshal. Like, we're, you know, nothing can happen. But, I mean, we were always trying to just take the live show to the next level because, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I have a lot of good memories from that, those times. Yeah. So, and I know you can't really bounce around when you roll through with Manson. It's not like you can just take the day and you know, explore Chicago. I mean, you've, touring is a tight schedule, but is it, is it still exciting when, you, when you're able to pass through town? When you see the yeah, skyline? Because, as you yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, last couple times, it's worked out where I've had a day off there. You know, um, so, you know, and I still have a lot of friends there that sure. you know, haven't bailed. I mean, it's funny because half my friends moved to L.A. and half of them are still there and the other, you know, one third or whatever in Europe and what have you scattered around the United States. But I still have a lot of good friends um, there. So when I go go through, you know, it's always good to see them. It's hard, though. The hometown shows are always the worst because you got 20 people that you, you know want your you know that you have to entertain and like you know make sure they get in and you know yeah that's the only thing that sucks about playing the hometown shows it's like i always tell my friends look my phone's gonna be off an hour before you know but they still are like all right we're here where do we go i'm like to your seat and like you know <laughs> i'm gonna but, need you um, to figure this out i gotta go on yeah ex exactly but you know, besides that, no, I like going back. I, and I always get Giordano's when there because I can't. Giordano's, uh, interesting choice. Yeah, or Illuminati. So it doesn't matter. Anything in Chicago, it doesn't matter. You know, uh -huh. it's, it's all great. Usually we stay at that hotel that's right around the corner from Giordano's, so it's easy. But yeah, you can't get that food here. So for sure. All right. So I do you have a deadline for the Terrifier work? Do you... Um, the release date is kind of like, I can't really talk about it. Like Fair. just, just, um, I'm hoping it's going to be out before Halloween. So okay. fingers um, crossed. I think, I think that's a strong possibility. I can't really say that's not my department. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I, um, but I hope it is because, you know, if uh, Halloween kind of gets erased or eradicated this year, then, you know, at least people will have a good movie they can watch at home. We know, need Art the Clown. Yeah, and he's, he's he's fun in this one. You know, again, he's uh, he's definitely he's what's the word I'm looking for? He's definitely uh, well, he's not holding back. Let's put it that way. Uh, I I won't take a selfie with strangers because of art. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> first first movie scared me away from that. Yeah, it's cool because I think uh, it, I'm so happy to be like part of a franchise. I think it was needed because I think it's been the same six 
it was always Jason, Freddie, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Myers, Chucky, Jigsaw. It was somebody else I'm leaving out. But it's always like those six, you know? So it's cool that there's a new one. I, I didn't even realize he was as big as he was until last Halloween. And I'd go to all the Halloween shops here in LA and every end cap was Art the Clown costumes and masks. And I was like, it. wow. And it was like, because I had been on tour, you know, for two years and like that, you know, I knew the movie was doing good and it had like cult like following. But like when you see that, it's kind of like, oh, all right. It, you know. And like I said at the beginning, I, I think people are still discovering the movie. Which is oh, fun yeah. too. Yeah, and I mean, and, and it's great. It's still on Netflix. Uh, I mean, two years later, and uh, I, yeah, I get I, so many more. I've had so many people like hit me up about the movie that don't even know anything else I do, you know, because horror the whole, whole horror fans, man, they are really loyal, and they, you know, because I, I was kind of to the concern of like, okay horror movies right now is anybody going to care when everything that's outside your door is scarier than <laughs> what you're watching you know it's like is this going to take away from the impact that a horror movie has because i mean we've been shut in for so long now it's almost like oh a killer on the streets that could never happen because we can't go outside you know it has this whole correlation to art so i was like but i think people still need that escapism you know and, oh yeah, um, it's it's a thrill. Seeing a good horror movie is a thrill. It's no different from going on a roller coaster. It's that that momentary thing that makes your heart race, and it, you could talk about it with your friends. Absolutely, we need it. Yes, it's dystopia outside the door, but yeah, we need that at home. Yeah, and I think, um, like I said, this one's going to deliver. But yeah, I, I mean, I've had so many people from like all over the world, even Russia. Like I get a lot of people from Russia going, Oh, I love the score. I love the sound of art, the clown. And it's just, it makes you realize how broad it, this little movie, you know, went made, and it's made like, for I'm like a so, hundred grand. Yeah. I mean, Damien, Damien C he's a special effects guy by nature. So like, you know, practical effects is his thing. So, I mean, he can make a movie for, you know, way less than what it would cost somebody else because he does all the effects himself and he's really, really good at it. And uh, yeah, it's just cool to see this little thing that I was a part of, you know, blow up. And I think the second one will, I think it's going to uh, live up to the expectation. I of, have no you doubt. Know, and you really did, one. you really did match the, the vibe, the intensity, everything on the first one. Oh, I can't, thank wait to you, hear, man. can't wait to hear what you do with the new one. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm pushing the envelope a little bit on this one too, doing some, it's going to be some sounds that you feel more than you hear. So um, I'm trying out new things that I don't necessarily know if they've been done before or not. And they can be horrible ideas or great. We'll, we'll see. I love it. All right, Paul, thank you for doing this. No problem, James. Uh, yeah, it was good seeing you. And uh, like I said, I remember when I got the message from you, I was like, is that, Oh, James Van Asselt. I was like, you know, it's a name from the, I was like, wow, Q101. Like, you know, this has been a while. 